equity of up to £150 million. You're not the other fan, you're here to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, different phases during the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at a Stetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. It is episode 90. We've got a couple of games to talk about, uh, a Champions League qualification and a cursed result against Liverpool. It's, it's, all, it's all in front of us, and we will talk about it today. I've got Caroline alongside to talk about it with at CG Stefko. Kaz, what's going on with you? Hey, um, I'm doing okay. Having some seasonal allergies, but trying to get through it. And I was a little disappointed this morning because the uh, women's game got postponed and things didn't really get too much better with the Liverpool game, but hanging in there. Yeah, I'm dealing with the allergies too. And it's, I think it's, it's almost everybody now this time of year. It's a very, it's a very strange thing. Um, but I feel you on the women's team. I, I woke up, I was just telling you before we started recording, I was, I woke up a little bit late this morning for me um, and rolled over and realized the game was postponed. And I was like, well, I guess I can stay in bed for a little while because the men's <laughs> game doesn't start for for a few more hours. So why not? Uh, why not just chill? But um, yeah, that was a disappointing uh, start to the morning. And it just got it just got even more disappointing <laughs> as as the morning progressed uh, because Spurs went and just dropped a, a result that they honestly and truthfully should have won. They lose 2-1 at home to Liverpool. Um, and let's, Caroline, let's actually start there before we go back to talk about the Marseille match uh, at midweek. And like I said, the qualification for the Champions League, which was all very, very good. Um, this was very, very bad, but in a way that is kind of going to be difficult to talk about because if you if you venture out onto the social media landscape uh, among Spurs fans, you will... You will think that this team just got played off the park again by a bigger, stronger, better Liverpool team. And that just wasn't the case if you watch the game. And I, I, I look, I'm not very active on social media during Spurs matches, but or or even after because of everything that goes along with that. But I, I even on my own account today, I was like, look, if, if you come out of this match thinking that Spurs uh, got outplayed and outmatched and outcoached, um, you just didn't watch the match maybe, or you're just clueless. It's one of the two. And and that's kind of the way I feel because I really feel like Spurs, I won't say thoroughly kicked Liverpool's ass, but they were in this match and played really, really well aside from really two moments. Right. Yeah. I know it's a, a cliche to say this, but it was a game that really had big, you know, game of fine margins vibes to it. Um, if, a little bit of luck had gone our way rather than against us. We could have been having a different conversation entirely, you know, talking about how the result matched up with the performance. Cause I agree. I, I do think that we put in a pretty good performance overall, you know, maybe a few players to have some quibbles with, but for the most part, I felt like they did what Hugo had said before the game that they wanted to do, which was to have a stronger first half than we have been. I don't think it was a bad first half. You know, there were, you know, a couple of errors that led to goals, but it's not like we weren't attacking. And I think that's been the, the thing that's really been hurting us lately is 
you know, not coming out of the gate with a good offensive performance. So it's, there's positives to take out of the game, even though we lost and it it does slightly feel like this fixture is just a little cursed for us. (laughs) Yeah. I feel the same way. I mean, you look at like some of the graphics that they put up on, on the screen during the, it's what been five years since Spurs have beaten Liverpool in the premier league. Um, Obviously you, you tack on to that, the, 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 the champions league final in 2019 that obviously didn't go our way as well. Um, And it does, it feels cursed because it feels like these two teams for many years were on kind of a similar trajectory uh, in terms of their climb up, up the premier league. And obviously Liverpool have just taken off from there and gotten the better of it. Um, I do want to talk about a little bit about the lineup today because it was very different. Um, and I think it's notably different. They, they, they did play the three, five, two, but obviously with the injuries and everything else, injury to son, Kulisewski made his return today, but wasn't ready to start Richarlison still out. You basically had Harry Kane and nothing else in terms of true attackers. So they played Ivan Perisic alongside, and I, I use alongside in like the heaviest of quotation marks because he really wasn't playing alongside him, but. It, it was different for sure. And that three-man midfield, Hoybier, Bissouma, Bentoncourt, Cessniot out on the left, and Emerson Royale out on the right. I, I thought this was probably the best that Conte could do for what he had available to him. Um, and while I don't really want to have much more Emerson discourse, he's the only player on the pitch that I thought was dreadful other than, and we'll we'll obviously talk about what, what happened with Eric Dyer as well. Um, but... I, other than that, I thought this kind of worked. And it's not something I want to see all the time, obviously, with Perisic playing up front, because that's not where he is. But Perisic played really effing well in this game, too. Yeah, I think he did. Um, my only concern when we had kind of talked about the possibility of this lineup before the game uh, was just Perisic's pace. And I think he's a player who's smart enough to you know, comp- overcompensate or compensate, I should say, for his for his lack of pace. And, you know, we, we saw some of that throughout the game. I also was not thrilled to see Emerson starting, and I kind of wonder, you know, what what's happening with Doherty? Why is he not getting the starts that I think we're all kind of hoping for? Um, but on the other side of the wingback scheme, I thought Sessegnon did pretty well considering that he had Trent Alexander-Arnold to deal with, who was like a mosquito, you know, just... <laughs> constantly aggravating you um and I think you know we don't have to go too far into the whole penalty discourse but yeah (laughs) enough said yeah I mean it's another thing about this game that people who who know me know that I am not one to complain about officiating and not one to complain about uh, anti-spurs bias or any of that nonsense but this was a pretty poorly officiated game between between the Sessegnon shout uh, Lucas Mora as a sub comes on late and gets ki- literally kicked in the face in, in the box. Uh, no, no, no penalty there for that. No VAR, nothing. Um, there was a foul on Hoybier toward the end uh, in the scramble when Spurs were really putting the pressure on um, a, a kick in the thigh that even uh, was it, was it Lee Dixon was on the broadcast over here on NBC that even he said was a foul and it was just outside the box. That would have been a, a prime spot for a free kick. Um, it was just a lot of that kind of, uh, bullshit for lack of a better term. I don't even know. Like I, I, I hate to be so blunt about it, but it was just a lot of, a lot of tomfoolery with officiating today that, that seemed to go against Spurs. But as you said, it's kind of a cursed thing that happens against Liverpool. You 
are and and I know this is like super bias on my part as a Spurs fan, but I'm you know this, Caroline. I'm not the person. I'm normally the the, the more like devil's advocate when it comes to this kind of stuff, right? Yes, and as you pointed out, for Lee Dixon to be you know arguing in our favor is not exactly a common occurrence either. So, no, it's not. Um, something was a little little stinky about this ref. I this is a referee that I did not recognize, and I kind of am wondering if he was quite ready for the Premier League level. Um, but you know, that's, that was the hand that we were dealt today. And yeah. A- Andy Madley, we'll go ahead and name him. Andy Madley. Yes. Is his name. We'll, we'll know his name now. <laughs> Unfortunately for him. Yes. Yes, we will. Yes. Uh, and it, and it just so happened, uh, what was the guy's name that, that, um, was the, I'm, I'm going to look it up now as I'm talking. Oh, Darren England was the VAR official today, who was the same official for the Man City Fulham match where we saw, uh, Cancelo sent off in the 26th minute for a foul that looked very similar to the foul on Sessegnon today in the box. So I, I don't know, man, a lot of, a lot of, uh, tomfoolery, tomfoolery slash bullshit happening, uh, with premier league officiating today. But I, I don't really know what else to say about the officiating other than it lacked, um, it lacked a certain consistency and didn't, didn't feel good to be on the wrong end of it once again. However, when you look at all of that stuff, and like I said, when you take take this game as a whole, for me, I think Spurs kind of outplayed. I say kind of. I'm. I don't know even know why I'm really putting that caveat on it. I think they outplayed Liverpool aside from two moments in this match, and those were the two solid goals. The first one, you just they just is unmarked in the box, and you can't have that happen. Um, and it's 11, 11th minute and it's like, oh, okay. So we're just going to go down one nil in this game and have to fight back, which is a common theme with Spurs. Um, and then the second one, that's where we're going to get onto the Eric Dyer conversation because Eric Dyer just makes a boneheaded mistake and just tries to head a ball back to Hugo Lloris and heads it. I think he headed it off his own shoulder. If, if I saw, watched that enough times and saw it correctly, like, I don't know what he was doing there. Just get that ball upfield and instead it falls right to Salah and, and Larissa has no chance so yeah it's it's kind of interesting because I think ever since he had his England call up for the last international break he's kind of been in this weird funk and you you would hope that the fact that he's kind of been switched from being the central center back to being out on the right would kind of mitigate some of those errors um, but when he made this mistake he was in more of a central position so I don't know. It's like, I don't have any answers for what's going on with Dyer. I just hope he snaps out of it soon. But at the same time, I'm not going to be one of those fans who's out here crying for him to be, uh, you know, transferred out in January. (laughs) No, but at the same time, I I understand the fans that are also calling for more reinforcements on the back line, because if you're not reinforcements is fair, because if you're not going to play players like Jaffa Tanganga, uh, and not going to have even a ton of trust. I mean, there's been some trust in Diamonds and Sanchez, but not a ton of it. Um, and Romero is hurt slash perhaps just saving himself to play for Argentina in a few weeks. Who knows? Um, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to to Longley, who is, I think, settled in really nicely in that central center back role. Uh, I think he's played well. I think Ben Davis has played pretty well. But you're right. Eric Dyer has had a weird couple of weeks. It was, it was, it was trending downward and pretty bad for a while. And then he, he did sit a game if I recall, and then came back or maybe even came off the bench 
and had played okay. And now we had this moment today. It was a, it was a weird week for, for Eric Dyer. He obviously got engaged. So congratulations to him. Um, he also had the moment earlier this week where it was made public that he uh, wrote a message and signed a shirt for Gier Pier, uh, Gian Piero Ventroni's family um, and kind of a, a really beautiful message that he wrote in terms of uh, what, what the former Spurs coach did for, for him in his career, um, signed, a, signed an England shirt for them. So that was really cool. Um, a lot of just a lot of Eric Dyer discourse, though, going on in the in the world right now. And obviously he's going to need to play better. I, I don't know. Like you and I, I think are on the same page in terms of World Cup and especially paying a ton of close attention to the England national team. I don't know what his standing is there. I, I don't know if he's a lock to make the team or if he's on the fringe or if he and Harry Maguire are just both going to somehow concede goals to the U S and Wales in the, in a group. I don't know what's going on there. I've, I've kind of removed myself from all of that discourse, but I, I hope that he gets whatever is going on with in his game figured out soon because he's, he's needed. He's a necessary part to, to what Spurs are doing and trying to do in that back line. Um, and the same goes for Romero too, whatever his injury is. Um, I know it's been, it's been a while since he's really played to Christian Romero, levels at least the ones that we saw from last year so it would be nice to see him come back and 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 play well too um we did get a really big injury return today in dayan kolosevsky i I can't even remember how many games he had missed but he came on as a sub in the 68th minute immediately impacted the game provided an assist for harry kane that got spurs their goal um i thought he looked really good for having just came off the bench and not played in I think it's been over a month, has it not? Uh, yeah, I, I can't even remember when the last time is that he played. But I think the club were really smart to be cautious with him. Um, I mean, you know, just talking about the World Cup again, he's not involved, but we've seen how many players have been going down with injuries. And it's kind of like a race just to get to the to the World Cup break for a lot of these players and um so I don't, I don't think it hurts that he was given the proper time to get back to full fitness because, you know, we did see that instant impact from him when he came in today and, you know, looks like he hasn't missed a step. So I, I'm thrilled to see him back and seeing the, you know, he's, he's one of our best playmakers, I think, in the team. And that's something we've really been missing. And I, I know there have been a lot of Spurs fans who have said, in recent weeks, you know, all we need is, is Decky back. And I would kind of roll my eyes and be like, he's one player. It's not a, a, you know, a silver bullet, but I don't know. He kind of (laughs) is. I it's, it's so interesting to just what he's able to do The the right side of the field, I think was the real key, especially in that second half. And when he came on, you also saw Eric Dyer pushing up and almost playing. It was really weird. He was almost playing Emerson Royale's role with Emerson, Mm -hmm. just standing there as like a, 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 I don't know, break glass in case of emergency outlet for him on the right side. He wasn't really doing much, but Eric Dyer was pretty much doing all the things that you would expect a right wing back to do from the right center back spot. Um, and I thought he did. That's the weird thing too, about Dyer's game today. He obviously had the massive, massive mistake with the header, but I thought he was really good in attack, which is weird to say about a, a center back, but he was really good in that role as well. Yeah. And we have to remember that he started his career as a midfielder. So I don't think this is like a natural territory for him. Um, And, you know, with Royale, he's more uh, in 
used to being a, a an actual center back. So they kind of were reversing roles today, which I, I think was fine. Um, but yeah, the being able to bring Decky on and concentrate more of our attacks from that right-hand side, I think was really important because Sessegnon had been having that trouble over on the left dealing with Trent Alexander-Arnold. So it's it's just good to have him back and be another option, basically. And then, you know, having Perisic with the set pieces as like a sort of plan B as well. Trent Alexander-Arnold, who, by the way, stinks now. Like, I I don't I know it I know it was talked about last year and how, how bad of a season he had last year. And I thought, oh, that's just a blip on the radar. That's still a world class world class right back. Um, no, he he is bad. And and by the way, Virgil van Dyke, he he ain't the player that he used to be either. Like the, this 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 Liverpool team, and I look, I'm gonna put something out there that I put in our group chat privately last week. Um, and said I didn't want out there publicly, but I'm gonna put it out there publicly. I said last week, if Spurs lose to Liverpool they should be ashamed because Liverpool stink and I'm mad about the fact that they did lose to Liverpool and they kind of should be ashamed, but I stand by everything else because Liverpool do stink. Like that is not, that's not a good team. And I know that I'm kind of digging at Spurs by saying that because Spurs lost to them today. So what does it say about Spurs if they lost to a team that I think kind of stinks, but I still think all that's true because I think that Spurs outplayed Liverpool and still somehow lost today. They did out uh, outscore them on, on the XG scoreboard, which I know I, I'll, I'll, I'll put that up there and say, I know that doesn't count. That's no, those aren't real numbers, but 1.19 to 1.07 Spurs uh, de- and definitely in the second half outplayed them as well. But that that's a club that has some problems and, and I can totally see why they have struggled so mightily this season. And that's a really big win for them to, to beat us on the road. Yeah. And I think we were feeling the same way after the United game as well. You know, that was a team that has not been good this season. I mean, they've had, you know, spells, but overall are not up to their usual standard. So it's frustrating that we're not rising to these occasions, I suppose. But like we said, you know, performance wise, we did. It was just a matter of, of the finishing. And I guess it's, it's good to be back having that kind of problem um, as opposed to some of the games earlier this season where we weren't even getting the chances that we needed. So I don't know, incremental progress. You know, it's interesting you bring up the, because that is an interesting comparison. But if I remember back, and I'm, I'm doing this off the top of my head, United had been struggling, but the two or three matches prior to playing us, United had started to come on a little bit and then and then did indeed beat us at Old Trafford. Liverpool, on the other hand, have not had good Premier League form Champions whatsoever. Champions League has been the better. Champions oh. League form, they've had they've they've been good. They beat Napoli last week. They beat Ajax before that. Um, but prior to playing us in in league, they had lost to Leeds. They lost to Nottingham Forest, which is wild to me to look back on. They did beat West Ham. They did beat Man City, but they had lost to Arsenal prior to that as well. Um, so it, it is weird. Like Liverpool have kind of spun their wheels a little bit, um, but all of a sudden are now they're up to eighth and they're only seven points behind Spurs who are in fourth. Um, so I, I don't know. It's a team. I don't think Liverpool are making top four this year. I think they're going to have to rely on on more to in order to do that. But if they play like they did today, I definitely don't think they are because Spurs, honestly, and, and I know that people are going to dig me out for saying this, but Spurs outplayed them today and still lost, which sucks. But I, I stand by it. I think that that was the case. 
barring two moments of, you know, a ball falling to Mo Salah and in two different instances, really, where he he's going to always finish those. I, I think Spurs really kind of kind of kicked Liverpool's ass today, and I think Liverpool should should count their lucky stars that they got out of there with three points. Yeah, I can't disagree. I think both both goals for Salah were gifts, and the crossbar was not our friend today. And these things happen. So we just can't, I think, dwell on it either as a team or as a fan base. You know, just got to keep going. You you mentioned Matt Darty earlier too. Uh, he did come on as a sub, and I thought looked 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 pretty bright. Obviously, looked brighter than than Emerson Royale would have in attack. And Spurs were kind of, I mean, the second half was really cool because it was kind of an all gas no break situation, down two goals, and then down the one goal when they got the the uh, the first goal from Kane back. But um, that's always a situation I'm going to favor Matt Darty in. And then, you know, Kulisevsky came on with him and those, those two on the right side, I just, I love that dynamic and I love what they're able to, to come up with. And even in the brief moments that Lucas Mora came on, I thought he looked okay in terms of, again, when you've got an all gas, no break situation and you're down and chasing a goal, he's the guy you bring on in that situation to, to try and, and get a spark. Um, so I'll be interested to see, especially out of both Kulisevsky and Doherty, how they're worked into these final two games before the world cup break because you know there's like i said it's only wednesday saturday uh and then a month off so i'll be interested to see if those guys can get a little bit more uh in terms of reps under their belt before this break so i don't know that'll be interesting um do you have anything else to say on the liverpool match before we move on to talk about the the midweek match in the champions league yeah two things i think it was interesting that you know we did bring on so many attacking subs and Liverpool went into full defensive mode and we still looked good. So that was a reassuring thing to me that we're finally getting better at breaking down teams when they are sitting back. And I think Doherty is a good part of that. And Kulisevsky as well. You know, they, they tend to be those players that are looking for the progressive pass, you know, they can navigate well in a crowded situation. So um, that was encouraging to me. Also, I noticed when I was looking back at the highlight of our goal, that every player for Spurs touched the ball except for Perisic in the lead up to that goal. So I think that's the kind of thing that we want to start seeing more of. And, you know, again, there's, there's so many positives to take out of this performance. So I'm, I'm just hoping we can carry the good performance into the last two matches and end this sort of portion of the season on a strong note. It is interesting and also, of course, frustrating. But it was, and it was pointed out by uh, by Nathan A. Clark, uh, the extra inch on on Twitter too. It's like it's almost like Spurs tr- turned in a good performance but didn't get the result. Whereas for the previous, I guess, few months, you could really say most of the season they've been putting in kind of poor performances but getting good results. And this would almost be considered the opposite. And it was almost always bound to one of these was bound to happen where they were bound to play really well, but not get the, the even, even a draw out of this match, which I thought they more than deserved a draw from this match. But um, I thought even probably could have deserved the three points and didn't get anything. So I think that's, you know, that's, that's soccer. That's, that's football. That's the way it goes. Sometimes is you're going to put in really good performances and not get, you know, anything out of it, which, which sucks, but is also just something you have to swallow. It just sucks even more for Spurs fans because it came against this goddamn team, which is, uh, it just, I know. It, it's like, it's, it's always them. <laughs> it's always that it's always them or it's always Chelsea. Honestly, yeah. like those are the two that it always feels like, 
oh, it's just ugh, really them. It had to happen against them. Like if it happens, even if it happens against like City or United or God forbid, even Arsenal, you're you're almost like, okay, like whatever. But when it happens against this team, that's when it is um it is super frustrating. And it's interesting you bring up the fact that Parasich was the only one to to not have a touch on the goal. Like again, I said it earlier. I thought Parasich was probably our best player today, even though he was playing in a very different role than he has all season it's a role that he's played in the past for certain clubs but hasn't done it for us and i thought just looked really brilliant even when he moved back into a more um traditional role when subs were made later when kulisevsky was brought on i just thought he looked really really good and that was encouraging to see yeah we've talked so many times this season about how versatile he is as a player and i think this was a great example of that you can throw him into any situation and he's going to be ready so I think he's going to end up being still a very valuable player in our season. Um, You know, he, we all know he has his limitations, but what he brings, I think outweighs them quite a bit. There's no question about it. Um, So a two, one defeat to Liverpool, but earlier in the week, a two, one of a very different kind (laughs) that goes in favor of Spurs. Um, As I'm going back, you know, it's Sunday as we're recording this, the sixth. So I'm going back uh, five days, almost six days to remember how this game played out, it really is all the more incredible because this was obviously the final match day in this group, Group D, which was the only group going in to the final match day that didn't have anyone qualified. Uh, all the other Champions League groups had, you know, at least one team, most of them both teams, but maybe it just wasn't decided who was winning the group. This group had no answers going in, and it had about 17 different answers throughout the 90 minutes between the two matches, which was fun question mark to watch but also stressful as hell because there were periods where spurs were going through as group winners there were periods where spurs were going through as second place in the group and there were periods where spurs were going to the europa league or 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 nowhere uh, as well in this thing it was just all over the place but um it, it kind of became the story a very common story that we've seen from spurs before i think today against Liverpool, even though you'd look at the scoreline in the Liverpool match and say, Oh, you're down two nil at halftime. And you're going to come out and play really well in the second half. I thought Spurs, this was a, this was a more clear indicator on Tuesday of what Spurs have been this season. It's a really shitty first half team and a really, really good second half team. Um, let's start though, by talking about this injury to son, which sucked. Oh. And I, I actually did not, I, I was watching the match and had to like rewind because I didn't really see what happened and it didn't really look like that big of a deal. And when I saw the replay, I gasped um, and it was terrifying. And I think the scariest part for me was seeing him attempt to stand up and wobble. Yeah. I, you know, I'm always of the opinion that you want son on the pitch if he's at all able-bodied and he was not in that moment. Oof. And this is one of those, I mean, obviously it's, it's more that he had the fracture, um, but I think there was possibly a concussion element to it as well. And that's why we have the protocol. Cause there was no way he should have been allowed to play. And I'm so glad they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Cause even when we saw the, the photo from the locker room after the game, when they were celebrating, he, he did not look totally with it then either. So no, it looked like he had a lot of swelling around the mm-hmm. eye too. And I mean, you saw he took the direct and, and here's the, I, I don't even want to say like the, the scariest part was the injury itself. The wildest part, for me was that it, it wasn't even really like there was nothing malicious i don't think there was no, no, it was a very common it, coming together common i think is a good word to use it is a common um 
I don't want to say injury that happens to him, but sort of common foul. I'm, and I don't even know if I want to call it a foul because, like, and, you said, and it I don't even think intentional. A, yeah, I don't even think a foul was called yeah, on the play, was it? No, and no card given, no foul. I think it's just the way that Sonny plays. Um, he ends up drawing a lot of contact from players' general shoulder slash elbow region. Um, but yeah, it, it 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 did not look good in the moment either. No, it really didn't. And this was a this was a game that Spurs came out in a three four three with Lucas, Son, and Kane up top, um, and after that had to switch to the three five two, bringing Basuma on for Son. Um, the goal that Marseille scored comes when Sessegnon lets the ball roll out, thinking that it was going to be a goal kick. It's instead a corner because it had deflected off of I I, I want to remember I think it deflected off Basuma in that moment. Um, and Spurs just seem to turn, turn their brains off for a brief moment. They take a quick corner and it's, it's headed in brilliantly by Mbemba. Um, I, this was just another one of those, what the hell are we doing type of moments? It was just a, a, a brain lapse and yeah. right before halftime, it was practically the last moment before half. And it's like, okay, cool. So this first half in which we've played terribly and lost one of our best players to injury, now results in us being down a goal. And it's like, this is just, the, it's been the story of Spurs, these these slow starts, these first halves. Um, and I, I'll tie it again into Liverpool. I do think that once Salah scored that first goal today, 10 or 11 minutes in, Spurs from then on were just on it. And it seemed like Spurs from the second half on against Marseille were just on it. They just came out and whooped up on on Marseille the whole time in the second half. Yeah, I agree. You know, it it might have been a very different feeling game if we had not conceded that goal right before halftime. Because I think if we go in to the second half nil nil, um, you know, I think we would still have seen the increase in intensity, but it would not have felt quite as you know stressful, especially with what was going on elsewhere in the group. Um, but with the goal we conceded, I I do think it was a pretty poor concentration lapse because I think we were hoping that that was not going to be a corner for them. We were, you know, hoping to get the call and just kind of were still switched off um, from that disagreement. So that's, that's the kind of thing that you really don't want to see, but happens quite a bit with Spurs, unfortunately. Yeah, it does. And there there are moments you can't have similar to the dire moment against Mm -hmm. Liverpool. And honestly, similar to, to Salah's first goal, where you're just leaving him roaming unmarked in the box. Um, But Spurs came out and, Look, I'll say here's I'm going to say a nice word about Emerson Royale. He he came on in the second half and I, I actually thought played okay. Um, Sessegnon was not having a great first half. Uh, they bring him on for for Sessegnon and moments later, Perisic delivers just a brilliant ball and Longley gets his head on it and kind of cool for the Frenchman to score in France to yeah. to, to level <laughs> to, to 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 equalize. Um, and and honestly, he and Hugo were both really good in this game I thought um and that was that was kind of cool for for them to both have those moments uh throughout this match and the second half was again it was just another story of Spurs kind of kind of kicking ass I mean this is this is one of those games where Spurs ironically enough kicked ass but did not win the XG battle they actually kind of got dominated uh in terms of XG but still managed uh to do enough and then the 
I guess that just leads us really to talk about this late goal from from Hoybier. And it's funny too because Hoybier had had rattled the crossbar minutes earlier before he does score. And Spurs were really like I really like the fact that Spurs in this match had the one one early in the second half and didn't weren't settling for that. They were trying for that second goal. They were not mm-hmm. sitting back and playing defensively, which is something that I think would have been really easy to do knowing that a draw gets you through, but they were pushing and pushing and pushing almost until the final moments when Marseille got the better of it and Spurs were able to hit him on the counter. Yeah. And with Pierre moments before the goal, he had also done what I guess we call a professional foul and seemed to have hurt himself a little bit in the process. So I was, you know, shocked when he was just, you know, going full tilt into that, that run to make the goal. Um, Cause I had been concerned that he was going to be hurt just moments before. So yeah. I, but that's just the classic Pierre, you know, game plan is just giving 100% no matter what, what the situation is and what's going on in his personal game, personal performance, you know, he, he seemed like he hurt himself against Liverpool today. I feel like he seems like he gives so much sometimes where he's always hurt, but is just a, you know, I'll, 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 I'll shout out Todd. He's a Viking. He's his Viking. Yeah. And he's just like, he's going to, he's very resilient. No matter. He's <laughs> extremely resilient. And he's a, he's an, he's really like an iron man. I mean, he just, he's, he battles through all of that stuff and, and gives us all. And um, he's been, he's been brilliant. I thought he was brilliant again against Liverpool as was uh, uh, Rodrigo Bentancourt that the midfield, I think has, been, it's in a good place. It's in a good place. I think it's played really well. I think even when Basuma comes in there and makes it three, I think even in the moments Skip has has gotten on the pitch, he's looked good. Um, Basuma, t- not to bring it back to Liverpool because we're talking more about Marseille now, but I thought Basuma against both uh, Marseille and Liverpool, I thought looked pretty good. I think he's starting to. It's you can see the wheels are starting to be in motion there a little bit, and he's starting to pick up a little bit more of what he's supposed to be doing. I know. I know. I think we all expected that the the player that Spurs bought in the summer that was already a Premier League player would come in and just fit in really nicely. And it seems like he's been the one that has taken the most time to almost gel. But I think he that's starting to happen now, which is nice. And it's going to give Spurs the ability, I think, to play more of a three man midfield when they want to, which is which is encouraging. But I think the midfield as a whole, like you said, it's in a good place. Yeah, I would agree with that on Basuma on the whole. Um, but just to, to talk about the two performances together as well, I think Longley really deserves some credit for the fact that he's, he really hasn't taken any time to get up to speed. I think he's just looked like a natural in, in whatever formation we're playing, you know, whether he's out on the left or in the center of the center back line. Um, and it's kind of a shame we haven't gotten to see a whole lot of him playing together with Romero. Because I think they're kind of similar players in a way and that they're very um, calm in possession. I know there was a moment in the Liverpool game where I was just amazed by how unflappable he was um, under pressure. So I, I'm hoping after the World Cup we get to see more of them you know, playing together. I think there's been a little bit of um, scuttlebutt about bringing Longley on permanently as well. Obviously, he's only on loan from Barcelona, and I don't think they really – I don't think more than anything, I don't think Barcelona fans want him back, but I don't think Barcelona want him back. Um, and while I don't think that he is a full on bang on starter in any position on any given week, I think he's a nice 
player to have around. Um, I would love for us to still go out and sign one or two more really, really good center backs in January and maybe one in January, one in the summer to challenge the likes of Ben Davis, Eric Dyer, and frankly, even Christian Romero, because we're, we're, we're now seeing a little bit. I think, I think we all, we signed Christian Romero and everyone thought, Oh, all of our center back worries are gone. Well, how often have we really seen Christian Romero and seen him playing to the level that he did last year, this year? We haven't. But you um, know what? I, of course, I'm going to have to say it's the whole World Cup thing. Uh, yeah. I just yeah. don't think we can. He's one of those players who, you know, I, I honestly can't blame him for prioritizing wanting to play for his country because it is a, you know, only comes around every four years. Some players don't get a second chance. Like, I get it. They've been put in this really bad position by FIFA and we've seen so many players go down injured in just the last week that are now going to miss the world cup. So I I'm sympathetic to him. I know it's frustrating from the perspective of being a fan. Like you want him to give his all to the club, but yeah, I I just don't feel like we can judge his performances this season the same way we did last year. You know what I mean? I, I, I agree with what you're saying. It, Look, you and I both, I think we share very similar views on this World Cup and and FIFA for that matter. Yeah, um, despair. <laughs> and yeah, despair, anger, uh yep. general just Disgust. fart fart noise um in, in their direction, in their general direction. Um it's been it's been really bad, but though you can you can really see the drop in and this is not specific to Spurs, it's it's and it's really not specific to the Premier League. It's been everywhere where players are definitely focused on that and and only that. Um, and it's hard to, like you said, it's kind of hard to blame them. It's something that they all want to partake in. And you can understand why it's the biggest, not just soccer competition. It's the biggest competition. It's the most watched sporting event in the world every four years. So it's a big, big deal. Um, It's just, it sucks that it's happening when it's happening. It it sucks that it's happening where it's happening. All the different circumstances Mm -hmm. that surround it uh, make it more complicated for folks like you and I who want to follow club football and watch club football and enjoy club football. And it's being a wrench is being thrown is, is all, all that we can really say. But I think you're right. I think, and I'm hopeful that, come January, the likes of Romero and even Harry Kane and Youngman's son and all these players can get that in the past. And maybe, maybe one of those players is, has, has held up a trophy at that point, which would be great for them. And we can all move on and play a, a, a really congested schedule the rest of the way uh, because of this thing. <laughs> Hooray. I know. I know. I'm, I'm trying not to be a total downer on this podcast because like I said, I like the way Spurs played this week, but I'm also just like, ugh, get, get me through this week and through the next month. And then we'll, we'll, it'll be much happier days here on the Tottenham Depot. Um, anything else to say about this match against Marseille? It was a wild match. Like I was really, I did not expect to be as, um, as into it toward the tail end. But when I realized, Oh shit, this is kind of make or break here as to whether or not, you know, and I was fine with the draw, but then when they got the win and realized, you know, oh, this this is actually a this is actually a bigger deal than I think we realized because Spurs end up finishing top of the group, which means they avoid some of the more dangerous opponents. Now, one of those opponents Except that did PSG. Yeah. One of those <laughs> one of those opponents that did happen to finish second in their group would be Paris Saint Germain, who were only behind in their group, 
because Benfica scored six uh, scored six goals, won six one against Maccabi Haifa on the final match day. Um, which drew, on the I think it was the seventh tiebreaker dropped them. I don't even know which one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was like away goals scored or something Ugh. against common opponents on I don't know on a Tuesday or whatever. Uh, it was like the seventh tiebreaker. So PSG finished second in their group. So they are one of the possible opponents for Spurs. The draw is on Monday. So as you are probably listening to this, um, you, you know you know Spurs opponent for the round of sixteen. Uh, we will talk about that come next week once we know it, but. Um, it's going to be either PSG. It could also be RB Leipzig, which is another, uh, familiar. There's actually a lot of familiar foes on this list. I'm going to go through them. Leipzig, Dortmund, uh, both Milan teams, Inter and AC Milan are, are on this list as well. And then the other one is Club Bruges, which I think would be the most favorable of the draws. But, you know, um, we thought we had a favorable group stage, so you just never know. <laughs> we did. You know, and it's interesting you you mentioned that because I think you and I specifically talked about this a little bit earlier this week in that I think when you look back, and this could just be Monday morning quarterbacking, but I think when you look back, I think we simply underestimated what this group was because these were all three other teams that were all – good not great like Mm -hmm. there were no big name clubs but these were all very solid outfits and i know people will scoff at that and say what are you talking about like you know marseille didn't get through they're probably the second or third best french team outside of psg um you talk about frankfurt yeah they won the europa league last year but they were also in the europa league so like how good can they really be um i just i you know, and then sporting, I thought sporting looked probably to be the best mm-hmm. of the other three teams. And did they even, they didn't even qualify, did they? They're Frankfurt, going to Europa. They're going yep. to Europa. So, and I thought they looked to be the best of the teams that we played. Um, so I that's why I, I joked and said, nobody came out of the group looking particularly good. Cause it was a struggle right. for all of us, frankly. It, it was, but I also think that's where I give I know I get I get the exact point that you're making, but I also think that's where I give a lot of credit to Spurs because oh, yeah. they did they did top a group that was a slog. It was yeah. a challenge. And I think that can only help them in terms of mental makeup and building building themselves going forward, uh, in my opinion. And I think I think that is my last point on the the Marseille game as it was a good example of the mentality that we've had under Conte has just been you can't fault them for, for their uh, commitment, I guess is what I'm trying to say. No, I totally agree with you. And like I said, they, regardless the, of how, you know, the games are going performance wise. Yeah. And toward the tail end of that game, they were not going to settle for the draw. They, you know, they got the breakaway in the final moments that right. they, they, they wanted to get that they were set up to get and got it, which was great because Pierre Milhoyberry deserved a goal for, for his performance in that game and finally got it, which was, was awesome. Um, do you have a team that you would prefer to see in this draw? I guess Club Bruges um, or possibly Dortmund. That's just my Bayern bias, but I think they tend <laughs> to to be bottlers, which is not a good word to use, but, you know. I kind of want Inter only for the oh, there's, the there's narrative. Po- there's poetry narrative. and there's there's narrative there. <laughs> There's poetry and there's narrative there. I think that would be kind of cool. Um, I also kind of think there's a little bit of uh, Leipzig revenge to, to be had as well. 
And, and um, I think they are ripe for some uh, humbling from us. Yes. I tend to agree. They have, you know, they have not been, I don't think they've been great. They're just, year, they're unpredictable, they? I think is, is probably the best way to put it right now. That's true. That's true. Although I did, I think Timo Werner got hurt too recently. He is. He's so out of the cup. Yep. We'll see. I mean, I this is not, I don't know it's obviously, it's obviously weird to talk about these teams too on November the 6th when this match won't be happening until mid March. You know, this, these, these ties won't be, we're talking months and months away from seeing teams that, and, and a Spurs team too, that could be completely different by then. Um, and we would hope would be completely different. We hope there are reinforcements coming in January. And mm -hmm. I think we would expect that other teams could have um, similar paths to take as well in terms of hope, hopefully reinforcing their clubs in January. But based on the fact that they are in the last 16 of the Champions League, you would think that teams could turn some of that money around to do something with it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. We will, as you, as I said, as you're listening to this, you probably already know who Spurs are playing. So a lot of this, uh, we, we try not to do a lot of out-of-date content here on, on Tottenham right. Depot, but uh, this might be a little bit out of date. But we will analyze the, the, last, uh, the last 16 draw come next week when we uh, chat with you again. Um, the, I don't know what else to say. There's to say there's there's two more matches before uh, before we we break for a, a month for the World Cup. Spurs, of course, will enter the League Cup, the Carabao Cup, on Wednesday against Nottingham Forest away. Um, that I don't think will be an easy match. Although I also could very much see a heavily rotated side. From I I. Well, I was going to say, I think Nottingham may opt for some rotation because they're in a relegation battle already. They can't really afford to be making the kind of cup run that they did last season. So, No, it's true. They are uh, bottom of the league right now on 10 points from 14 games. Now, Bournemouth are just outside of the relegation zone, and they're only three points behind them. Um, you've got Southampton and Wolves right there in the relegation zone with Forrest, but uh, I, I know what you're saying, I, but I also could, could I, like, you know, this would be, I don't even know if he's fully healthy, but this would be like a great Jaffa Tanganga game. Yeah. Um, it would be a great Brian heel game. Uh, I would throw Emer I would skip. Yes. G give yeah. me, give me Oliver skip. Give me, give me Emerson Royale, obviously. Um, cause this is his level <laughs> in my opinion. Um, give me, I guess, give me. God, I would love for them not to play Harry Kane, but I imagine they're definitely going to play Harry Kane because who else is there? Well, there's no other striker. Yeah, right there's now, no other so. offensive. Maybe they could just play without an offensive attack and, oh, and God. hope to nick a goal somehow. Hope to nick a goal on a on a corner uh, off the head of Longley or someone. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I would expect to see some rotation for sure uh, and, and, and would welcome it. I, I hate to say I would be fine with them punting the competition because you never want to have that mindset. But honestly, if there's a competition that you're going to punt, I'm okay with them. I'm not saying I want them to go out and lose to Nottingham Forest on Wednesday. I'm not saying that don't come after me, but <laughs> if they lose, I'm not going to be super broken up about it because for me, the focus is getting healthy bodies through the next month, obviously. And a lot of that doesn't have to do with Spurs at all, but it's getting, you know, yeah. getting to the finish line, as it were, or at least the halfway finish line. It's really not even halfway. It's more like a third of the way through uh, a season. I, uh, I would just like to end this segment by saying screw FIFA for about the 50th time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hate, hate you. Hate you, FIFA. Thanks for being the way that you are. Wish you weren't. 
Um, but Spurs do wrap up the quote unquote first half, uh, wrap up the before the break portion of the schedule on Saturday at home against Leeds. And I've got to say, if Spurs play like they did today against Liverpool, they will smash Leeds. And I have no no uh, reservations in saying that. If they play like they did today, they will be just fine. Um, and I look forward to that to to that potentially happening next Saturday. Um, but that would be it until Boxing Day. It's so weird looking at the schedule and seeing Saturday, November 12th, and then the next match is Monday, December 26th. It is so bizarre, but that is uh, the world that we live in. As you said, thanks, thanks a lot, FIFA. Thanks for screwing us all up. By the way, on that note, obviously we're going to have a, a plenty to talk about on next week's pod. We'll have two matches, a, a cup match and, and the Leeds match. But after that, there's going to be a whole lot of World Cup going on. And, not, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit, I guess. But if you've got anything else that you want us to cover during the World Cup break, drop us a line at Tottenham Depot on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, wherever uh you get your podcast leave us a rating review do any of that because we're gonna need some things to talk about whether it's i'm sure i'm sure much of it will revolve around january as well because there's going to be a lot of transfer rumors starting to percolate during the world cup as well but uh we're going to need some of that action too so yeah and at least we have the women's team uh to tide us over we do although (laughs) although there's a lot to talk about there too well we've got quite a while until the next game for them too because of this postponement this weekend they don't play again until i think the 20th so yeah do you do you want to fill our listeners in on on what so so game postponed today due to a waterlogged pitch um which is is something it's really something and it's a shame because this was supposed to be following up our best result ever. Best result ever last week. Yeah. Yeah. We, we beat Brighton away eight nil, um, which sounds incredible. Just even repeating that. (laughs) Um, But I was really hoping we could continue that momentum today. So that's unfortunate, but yeah, in that Brighton game, to be fair, Brighton were pretty poor. Their keeper had one of the worst goalkeeping performances I've seen in quite a while. Um, but we did a lot of things right, too. You know, I, I, I think we perhaps have not been getting, you know, the credit we deserve for that, for our part of the performance. Um, but, you know, Ash Neville was super Ash, as always. She ended up uh, scoring two and assisting two. Drew Spence had a brace. Jessica Naz had a brace as a substitute, um, which was, you know, really huge for her because she's kind of started this season coming off of an injury and I think really needed that confidence boost. So that was great to see. Uh, Molly Barchev got her first WSL goal and um, Nikola Krachevska, you know, just was in pure box in the box striker mode. So (laughs) it's, there were just so many good things to take out of that performance. And I'm disappointed we didn't get to, you know, see what they would have done this weekend, you know, riding that momentum, but Hopefully after the next women's international break, we're going to see more of the same offense. It, it really is incredible when you look at the, you know, the, the line score of this match. They, they scored the first goal in the second minute and the eighth goal in the 83rd minute. So it wasn't like all the goals came in the first half and they just sat back. I mean, this was an no. onslaught throughout three yeah. goals from 56, 58, 60th minute, just an onslaught. Uh, what do you think uh, Brighton goalkeeper Megan Walsh got from FOTMOB as a ranking for that game, as a rating, rather? Ooh, it's got to be like a two. It was a 2.5. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Yikes. Yeah, yeah it was not undeserved. I mean, sorry yeah. to her. She's, I think she is a good keeper normally, but she just had a complete nightmare. <laughs> well, and as you pointed out to me before we started recording today, Brighton turned around today and yeah. beat West Ham 5-4. So still have defensive issues it would appear but yes. yeah they, they are capable of scoring so i would say I, think, I would say 12 goals in two games not a great record but yes well and even in, in our game you know we did have some defense to do um the team worked really hard to keep that clean sheet because there were a few spells of you know sustained pressure from brighton so yeah, yeah. well spurs uh as you mentioned a little bit of time off now they don't get back into action until the 20th of november and that is against Chelsea, who are currently uh, joint top of the league. They are technically second to Arsenal on goal difference, but same number of points with 18. So uh, that will be a challenge, obviously. But uh, Tottenham women rolled last week and then got the the waterlogged pitch that uh, stopped them today. And that was the only thing that I think was going to stop them. So it's a shame. But uh, they will they will certainly be in action throughout uh, the World Cup break for the men, which is is nice because it will you're right. It will give us a lot to talk about on that end. And and honestly, hopefully for, for folks who don't pay as much attention to the women or maybe have been looking for inroads to get into the women's team, this is a good opportunity. The, the men's the men the men's team will not be playing. They'll there will be a World Cup going on. Spend your spend your weekends watching the women's team because they are an entertaining group and have a lot of I mean you mentioned super Ashley Neville. I mean, she, she is super. remarkable <laughs> to watch play play yeah. football. It's incredible. So it is a, uh, it is a, a, a real joy to watch them play. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly have plenty to talk about, but if you've got any other topics for us to discuss, um, let us know because I certainly don't want to talk about the world cup. I don't yeah, want to, we're, we're going to need some, some letters in that mailbag, please. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want to discuss all, all those goings on. Uh, there've been a lot of, it's been a lot of good reporting over the last few weeks and a lot of good, like special podcasts and stuff series about this world cup and um, not, not talking about, let's, let's just put it this way. Not talking about the games um, that, that I, I, think are, are good resources uh to, to learn a little bit more about what this world cup means um and i think if, if you're looking for some some stuff go go seek that out because it is uh quite notable quite notable stuff um one last thing i will say before we do sign off here is that um for those of you who listen in the united states tuesday is obviously a really important day uh, it is election day here in the country, uh, midterm elections, I know are not as sexy as a presidential election, but it, they're a really big deal. Um, so if you haven't early voted or if you haven't gotten the chance to mail in your ballot, um, make sure you get that done. Tuesday is really, really important. A um, lot of things on the line, wherever you live, it doesn't matter that, you know, whether, whether it's your, your, your local representation, a lot of governorships up, a lot of uh, every Congress, Congressperson is up, um, a lot of Senate races, just a lot to, 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 to choose and, 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 you know, select uh, dem- for, for your democracy. Um, I voted a couple of weeks ago, mailed, mailed my ballot in, was, was happy to do so here in Arizona. And um, I just, I encourage everybody to get out there and vote uh, because there's a lot on the line and a lot of important things to um, decide on going forward in this country. Yeah. Well said. I, I got my early voting done and, you know, those local elections are super important, I think, especially just see, seeing how uh, contentious things have been at the local level. I won't say anymore, but yeah, it's you've, 
you and I uh, know it well. You living in the state of Texas, me living in the state of Arizona. There are uh, there are a lot of important important decisions to be made, and uh, we encourage you to get out to vote and make those decisions on Tuesday if you haven't already. Um, that's going to do it for this edition of the Tottenham Depot. This has really been a joy, Caroline. I'm, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that I was able to sucker one of you into talking with me today <laughs> about about all of this, um, everything going on. It's just whenever it's Liverpool, it's just. Oh, it's so it's good to talk about it. Get it all out. <laughs> it is. It's good therapy. It's good therapy. Uh, we will be back with you next week as we barrel our way toward, toward, toward a World Cup. Easy for me to say. Uh, follow Caroline at CG Stefko. You can follow me at Stetka. Follow us at Tottenham Depot. Leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. And go vote. Until next week, this has been the Tottenham Depot Podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs.